0: Now, I don't know if this is an urban myth or it's completely true. Um, Many, many years ago, a um, greetings card company on Mother's Day said to prisoners, we're going to give you a free greeting card for for you to send to your mums. And apparently, according to the the, the myth or the story, 100% of the prisoners sent a card to their mum and then they repeated the same thing for Father's Day and the, 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 the urban legend is no one wanted to have a free card for their for their dad. And you realize what an impact an, an impact there is in our nation of, of, of fatherlessness and and maybe when we're talking about the father, father God Many of us might have had what was experienced an unsafe experience um, of their dad, <coughs> or even where we had really good dads, or with being a good dad, we are an incomplete expression of the perfection and the holiness of the Father. But for many of us, when we hear the the title of father, Father's Day, it can be quite painful, or when we look at the topic of Father, Father God, it can be quite painful. Maybe we had a father who never spoke value or never spoke identity over us. Maybe we had a father who was inconsistent in protecting and providing. And God wants this morning to change the lens that we see the father. Because sometimes what can happen is because of pain and because of hurt and because of disappointment, the way we view him can be so coloured by our experience of of. Of maybe having an unsafe dad. Or a dad that wasn't consistent. And these can form the lens. Through which we see. The father. The truth is. God the father. Is incredibly fun. And sometimes I don't think we. Equate that with being a Christian. We follow a really fun God. Who's incredibly playful. And incredibly engaging. I mean you're talking about. A father who's never having an off day. Mm-hmm. Like, he's never tired. He's never not present. He's always fully present. He's never irritated. He's never frustrated. He, he, he's, he's, he's never at a point where I'm just about to lose it with you. He's not moody. He, he is he is Perfect. I mean, I, I, I find this advert quite intriguing. The new Amazon advert about the dad who's on his iPad and then he engages with his kids by putting the sound of a panda on it. I mean, God's a lot more imaginative than that. You know, <laughs> did you know the advert? Yeah. His kids are playing and then he puts the sound of a panda on it and he says, play a song. I mean, God gets right down and is with us, he doesn't need Alexa. <laughs> To do that for him, he is a wonderful father, and it's it's an invitation to know him like that. And it's that thing of there's no condemnation if we don't know him like that. Because I think, in reality, there's no human being who has the full revelation and the full experience of how (coughs) amazing he is. I mean, he's infinite, he's endless, and he's eternal. So when we've been with him forever and ever and ever and ever, we'll still be discovering the depths and the quality and the wonder of his kindness, his gentleness, his love and his faithfulness. We're never going to come to the end of that. But what we can do is move and see the lenses we see him shift. Because one of the lenses we can see God in or God through is that God is a burden. To be honest, how many of you have ever seen God as a burden? That that he has certain demands, and you better do them, otherwise he'll get pretty frustrated and distant from you. That he wants you to spin certain plates, and if you don't spin, spin them consistently and good enough, you not step back and say you're not performing for me I'm stepping back until you start to come in line and God says that's not who I am and that's not what I'm like in fact he is very clear in Isaiah 46 he says I'm not like that so in Isaiah 46 he says listen, listen to me you descendants of Jacob, this is in verse 3, all the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born, even to your old age and grey hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you, I have made you and I will carry you, I will sustain you, I will rescue you, with whom Will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold and from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales and they hire a goldsmith to make it into a god and they bow down and they worship it. They lift up their shoulders and carry it. They set it in its place and there it stands. From that spot it cannot move. I mean he's kind of joking about these things that we worship and make even though someone cries out to it it cannot answer and it cannot save them from their troubles and so that's kind of a wonderful picture of idols and literal idols or the things that we we make we think we've got to carry them and God says I'm not like that you don't carry me you don't carry me I don't have any inadequacies that you need to bolster. You don't have, I don't have any broken spots that I need you to heal. I, I carry you. I want to carry you. I want to be the father who carries you. I want to be the one who looks after you. I'm not an idol that you need to put on your shoulders and carry everywhere. I'm a God who carries and sustains and speaks and rescues. That's who he is. So we don't have to perform to get from him anything. And we can live from his love and favour and not for it. We start off with love, acceptance and favour. However you came to know Jesus, whether it was in a particular meeting or in your room or a friend told you about Jesus and there was a moment when the Holy Spirit said actually Jesus is the son of God uh, and Jesus is the one who paid for your sins he is the one who brings you home in that moment in that moment you you get favour and in that moment you experience his love and you never have to earn it and you never have to perform for it it doesn't ebb and flow and depend upon your mood and your performance he's always passionate about you and he always loves you In Romans 8.15 it says we cry out by the Holy Spirit Papa, Abba, Father that we have this invitation to know him as a child trusting a really, really good father. We have such an invitation Abba, Father, Papa, Dad that we can grow up and become childlike again. Jesus says that's how you get to enjoy all the benefits of being in the kingdom of heaven. You become like a little child. Papa said it. Papa's going to do it. Wow, Amen. He Amen. promised it. He's going to do it. Amen. Like, we can, be, we, we can actually come into being childlike. Like, he's got it all sorted. He's going to work it all together for good. Amen. I'm going to read you this from Dora De Silva. It's, it's not that bad things don't happen to us. You have to have a theology when things are not working right. Your theology can't be it's all good. No, your theology has to be He is good. It's not that bad things won't happen to us. Rather it's we have a place to take our pain. We are believers. We are children of the King. Sons and daughters. We have the invitation and the ability to come to Him. Asking Him to be our peace. Our shalom. Our wholeness. He stands in the midst of our circumstances. It's what Abba, Abba, Papa, I need you. I need to draw on you. I need you to give me perspective. I need you to protect. I need you to provide. And so this cry of Abba, this cry of Papa, this relationship brings us into a place of real connection. Wow, we've got a wonderful illustration going on there. Wow. <laughs> we've got, you are such a wonderful illustration. <laughs> wow. This will learn from a child. You, you know what you're doing. Wow. We have that invitation to intimacy and connection to just gaze upon him and not try and sort things out ourselves, not try and fix the future, not try and get all the resources ourselves, but to come to Papa and just say, I'm leaning in your arms of love. I'm convinced of your heart. Jesus in Luke 3 gets a wonderful moment of, of, of revelation, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and the voice came from heaven You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And Jesus said, I'm going to my father and your father. He brings us into this amazing intimate relationship where his father becomes our father, and the father's voice over the son becomes the father's voice over us. You are my son, my daughter, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Well, just to know he's well-pleased. You need to have that revelation. He's well-pleased with me. He's not waiting for me to be a better version of myself before he becomes well-pleased. He's well-pleased this very moment. Amen. And in that place of intimacy and connection, he he speaks true identity over us. He speaks true value over us. That everything... Adam in Genesis wasted. Because Adam got to walk with the Father in the call of day. Adam got to share his life. Adam got to co-labor. Adam got to do meaningful work. Adam got to talk with God about his life. And got to share the journey of naming the animals. And Adam threw it all away for sin. And then Jesus comes, the second Adam, who gets us back into that place. An even better place of intimacy and connection. That Jesus made a way that the life, the death and resurrection of Jesus makes a way for us to have an even greater relationship restored to us than the one that Adam had. We've been brought back to Eden through Christ. We've been brought back to that place of pleasure with God. That place where we can walk unashamed with God. That place where we can enjoy the perfect peace and hope and joy because we belong to such a good father. That that for you who have become Christians, there's no experience, or there's no. We might feel the truth as we're separated, but the truth, the ultimate truth, beyond our emotions, is there is no separation between the believer and the Father. Now, we go through different seasons, and sometimes we can go through seasons where we're, we're physically tired and we're not feeling we connect, but spiritually, we're always seated with Him in heavenly places. There's no separation. We live under an open heaven. We don't need to pray, rend the heavens and come down. Well, Jesus has rendered the heavens and he has come down, and now we live under an open heaven. We're always in a place of, I can connect and I can draw. There's nothing between us. Amen. The, the veil was torn in two in the temple when Jesus died, and it was never stitched back together again. And so there's a wonderful Father who, through what Christ has done, forgives our sins, who picks us up when we've fallen, who encourages us, who affirms us, who builds us up. And the Father wants us to see the reality that he sees. And the Father is so intentional about changing the way we see ourselves, to fully persuade us and fully convince us that he is well pleased with you right now. He is well pleased with you right now. There is no... Uh, punishment, no condemnation for you, dear friend, dear believer, there is none. That he looks at you and his perception is, I'm utterly convinced about how wonderful and exceptional and beautiful and brilliant you really are. So if we come into his presence we think, I'm just a worm, I hope you don't turn me away, then it's hard to be intimate and connect with him. But when we walk in and say, I am a saint, I'm someone who's prone to do things right. Yeah. That's my bias. I'm prone to please you. <laughs> That's my leaning. Amen. That's my desire. That's who you are. It's your desire. Is to You want to connect with him. You want to please him. And he says, I'm so well pleased with you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And he wants us to be fully convinced of how wonderful and trustworthy and loving and kind he really is. He wants us to see how he sees us. And he wants us to see him as he truly is and to get revelation upon revelation about how good and great and true the wonderful he is. And so in this place of uh, trusting, in this place of believing, in this place of Being loved. He leads us beside quiet waters. And it's in these times with him that he restores our soul. That he refreshes our soul. That he builds us up. It's in this time of intimacy that he whispers his revelation of how valuable and loved we truly are. It's in this place that he breaks the negative judgments we've made about ourselves. It's in this place where he affirms us and builds us up. And gives us a revelation that we are really beautifully made. That all of the negative judgments we make about ourselves or have made about ourselves get made null and void and redundant because we're hearing a superior word from Amen. heaven. This is how I see you. And Paul said that to Timothy. He said, "Fight the good fight. Yeah. Fight it by remembering the prophecies. Remember what God has said about you. They're not just um, good ideas. That's how heaven sees you, Timothy." That's Heaven's Assessment, 1 Timothy one eighteen. Fight according to identity, not performance. Fight spiritual warfare by believing rather than trying to, as Steve Backlund says, rebuking every single spirit until your rebuker wears out. <laughs> he says, I was so busy rebuking, my rebuker wore out. He said, actually, I needed to turn my spiritual guns inwards at my own unbelief about how he sees me. Amen. And we're so busy saying, something demonic has done this, devil's done that, and it's probably not doing anything. It's actually our own unbelief. Bill Johnson says, the only closed heaven is the one between our ears. <laughs> and it really is true that we can be changed and metamorphosized by the renewing of our minds as we come into agreement of that's how you see me. You see me as wonderful, brilliant, extraordinary, creative, as more than a conqueror. You absolutely love me. And I can see you. Wow, you're faithful, trustworthy, good, kind, never moody, always approachable, always available. That's who you are, and this is who I am. And sometimes we're wondering, what's my calling in life? Why am I on earth for? Well, it starts with, I've got to get a view of who he is. And when I get a proper view of who he is, I get a proper view of who I am. And then I discover that I'm actually brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I'm not on a self-improvement process. I'm on a a, a God encounter program. And that's the Christian faith. It's not me improving me and one day I might get there. Well, actually I already am glorious. Jesus has shared his glory with me so that I can display his glory. And I'm not about improving myself. I'm just about seeing truth. Yes. So Wendy Batten says, there's, there's the truth that we think is true because our emotions say it. But just because something feels true doesn't mean it is true. It's just a truth. Amen. And we can have a truth and say, oh yeah, I'm just a, a failure. Ha ha, we can laugh at that. Ha 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 ha. We join Steve Batten. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no good. I'll never change. Ha 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 ha. We're laughing at lies because in the Bible, Psalm 2, it says, God laughed. At what his enemies were saying and what his enemies were planning, so we laughed at lies because actually it's really fun. We went on a conference where we just laughed at lies for two days. Honestly, it sounds strange, but it's the most refreshing two days I've had for a long time. (laughs) 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 That we can laugh and when when he says you're a failure, you'll never change. Ha ha ha. You'll never make it. Your your dad was no good. You're no good. You'll never be any good. Ha ha ha. Not true. No, I'm, I'm submitting, I'm surrendering to a superior revelation. How do you see me? And I'm yielding to that. And I'm taking the sword of the Spirit and I'm pulling down that stronghold even if it's really, really painful. It's not staying. I read this story this week about, and it's again, it's a made-up story but it's about a man who got a thorn in his arm and the thorn went in his arm and it, it went into his nerve. And He thought, oh no, if I bang this fawn in my arm, it really hurts. And when I lay in bed, it really hurts. I know what I'll do. I'll develop a special um, cover over the fawn. So that when I'm in bed, nothing can knock it. And then when I'm in the street, I'll I'll build something a little bit more so it protects the fawn. And I like playing basketball, so I'm going to have something else to protect the fawn. An easier thing would be, endure the pain to remove the (laughs) fawn. And sometimes we're like that around identity and about the Father and about his love. We do a whole host of things of performing, pleasing, disguising, placating, wearing masks. We're absolutely exhausted because we we, we don't want to pull out the form that just says, you know what, you're amazing really. You're loved, you're delighted in, you're so pleased. Well, that hurts because that's not what I've heard in the past. No, submit to the word of God. Submit to the revelation of scripture. Go through the pain of tearing down the stronghold. Chop Goliath's head off. It's not the truth. Fight according to the promises that God has made about you. His love sets us free from fear. The fear that there's never enough because he's a father who protects. He's a father who provides. It sets us free from self-protection, self-sufficiency, self-promotion, competition, Amen. performance, fear of abandonment, and fear of being rejected. All these huge issues that riddle our society are answered in the love of the Father. That there is no other answer on planet Earth. That Jesus came, yes, to pay for our sins, And also to bring the perfect revelation of the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Hebrews 1, he is the exact representation of the Father. You see how Jesus is? You see how the Father is. You see how Jesus deals with the poor? You see how Father deals with the poor. You see how Jesus deals with sickness? You see how Father deals with sickness. You see how Jesus deals with brokenness and oppression and people captive and in prison? You see how the Father deals with all those things?